We're still in the Discover Life series and um, today we are looking at learning to live like Jesus, the Spirit-filled life. Actually, I I think one of the things that I believe the enemy would want to do is to get us away from this. I think this is so important. And uh, not just for today, but for the ongoing life of the church. That, that we individually together, we exhibit the spirit-filled life uh, to our community, to our neighbours, to our friends, so that ultimately they see Jesus. And that's, that's it. So we're looking at the spirit-filled life today. Um, I, I, one of the things I noticed when I, I went to Romania in the early days and, and sort of got to know things out there was that people made a distinction between these two words. They are different. And the first one was evangelical, which means people who love the gospel, the good news of Jesus, who are true to the word of God. And the other word was charismatic, and they, they, which means uh, those who um, believe in the gifts of the Spirit, to put it simply. And there was, in, in Romania, there was this sort of distinction. You were either evangelical or charismatic, but not both. And that was a bit of a mystery to me, because I believed I was both. But actually, if you look at some of the things that come out today in this country, this distinction is being made. What distinction do they draw? Well, they say... Evangelical Christians are strong on the word. And often the word conservative is put there. Conservative evangelical. Strong on the word. Believe that the Bible is the word of God. I believe that. But it's often said they're weak on the spirit. Now I believe many, many evangelical Christians would be terribly offended by that. They say, we may not believe in the ongoing supernatural gifts of the Spirit of 1 Corinthians 14, we believe, or 12 to 14, we believe uh, they've ceased. But we still want to do what the Holy Spirit wants. And if they're offended, I don't blame them. I'd be offended. On the other hand, to be charismatic is you're strong on the Spirit. And you want the Holy Spirit to move in a supernatural, powerful way. We've sung about it. Even this morning. We've prayed about it. Even this morning. God, we need to see it. But then, you see, critics say, ah, but you're weak on the word. And we pray fast and loose on the Bible. Do you know, sometimes I think we give people uh, reason for that. I won't reveal any more than this, but I'm in a a WhatsApp group where someone asked a couple of weeks ago, wait for it, is it wacky to believe that Jesus will return in 2033? Is it wacky to believe that? Well, I had to really hold myself from answering in huge capital letters, yes. <laughs> it is wacky. Well, 
people were claiming prophetic words but I'm sorry I'm sorry 2,000 years ago people got the date of Jesus' birth wrong and 2033 is not 2,000 years since Jesus died it's wrong and anyway Jesus said you won't know the the day or the hour ah yes but we might know the year come on <laughs> no way we do sometimes give people reason to say that we, we're weak on the word and we pray, play fast and loose with the Bible God that that's never said here because like church beckles we want to be a word and spirit church holding fast to the word of God holding strongly onto it the word of God as originally given and also open to the power of the Holy Spirit that's what we want to be because I believe that's what God wants us to be so we're going to look at Ephesians 5 verses 15 through to 20 where Paul writes be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submit to one another out of reverence for Christ a little technical bit we have to have a little technical bit here in the Greek verse 21 belongs to this paragraph in the language it's all to do hang on with participles and participle clauses I'm sure that blesses you don't worry about it but in subject verse 21 belongs to the verses that follow so I'm going to follow many commentaries and leave out verse 21 because that it's important they are very important words but I think they would muddle things today so I'm going to leave them out and concentrate on verses 15 to 20 and I want to give you a sandwich approach now this isn't to make you feel hungry now some people have already now felt hungry because I've said it but, but I, want to, I want to approach it like this first of all we recognise recognising the need to be filled with the Spirit verses 15 through to 18a that's the first part of verse 18 that's point one you'll be very glad you've got a three point sermon this morning point two responding to the filling of the Spirit in verses 19 to 20 and the jam in the middle receiving the filling of the spirit 
in verse 18b. And you'll say, but that's not following the passage logically. Well, hang on, you'll see why I put it that way. And here we go. First of all, let's recognise that, that we need to be filled with the Spirit, don't we just? Why? Paul says, make sure you're living wisely. What do we mean by living wisely? Well, having a good reputation, watching your language, your, your attitudes, your speech, uh, how, you, how you interact with people, all sorts of things. We could, we could name a multitude of things. The way we live wisely as people of God, as Jesus' people. How do we live wisely as Jesus' people? And we say all these things, you know, be careful, watch all sorts of things. And Paul would say, yes, 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 I agree with that. But you need to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, practically, Paul might say, I've written about a lot of those things. And you can read them in my letters. But you need to be filled with the Spirit. Take opportunities. Ah, oh, we need to take opportunities that present themselves to us. We need, we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's inside of us. We need to be ready to speak about Jesus. And there are all sorts of techniques that, that do that. My, my good friend David does these three circles out on the streets and, I, and, and they, they get all sorts of great conversations. There are all sorts of uh, ways that we can engage people and talk about Jesus. And Paul would say, that's great, that's wonderful, I encourage you in this but you need to be filled with the Spirit. Technique, approach, understanding society, all the rest of it, fine. But you need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to know God's will. That's sometimes a toughie, isn't it? What does God really want? Well, I pray about it. I look into God's Word. I see what's happening in my life and see if that's indicating something to me. I look at circumstances. I listen to what other people say to me. I weigh it up. I think about that deep feeling I have within me. What is God doing? How do I find out the will of God? And Paul would say, yes, all these ways are good and there are many more. But you get it, don't you? You need to be filled with the Spirit. And they're all good things, but you need to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul says, don't get drunk. Let's broaden that out. Avoid excess. Paul was, Paul was a realist here. He, what did he know that drunkenness can lead to? Well, in the Bible it's called debauchery, but that really means all sorts of sexual license etc. And that so easily happens, doesn't it? And what is Paul saying here? Avoid that excess. Make sure that you live a good and upright life in front of people. Resist that temptation. Um, he'd say, yeah, that's all good. But don't be drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Of course, he, he could have had the day of Pentecost in mind. What did they accuse 
the believers are being on the day of Pentecost drunk have we ever been accused of being drunk because of what the Holy Spirit is doing no because we're British <laughs> no but these what is Paul saying here Yes, there are practical things that we need to do. But in and over and underneath it all, we need to be filled with the Spirit. So we need to recognise that. And we need to recognise that for ourselves here. And then, I'll put this second. Do you know, we, I didn't know this was going to happen this morning, but we sang in the lounge... <laughs> before the meeting started, a very ancient, charismatic song. Thank you, Nick. It was great to sing it. Um, what happened when, when, the, when we began to look at what the Spirit could do? I'm taking you back to times when before some of you, a lot of you were born, when we as a group of young people were looking at the Bible and we read 1 Corinthians 12 through to 14 and we said, where are these gifts of the Spirit? And people told us, ah, but they've ceased. And we said, where in the Bible does it say it? they've ceased? And we couldn't find that in the Bible those gifts had stopped. And therefore we said, if they haven't stopped, where are they? We want them. And we began to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And then we began to see also that the, the receiving of those gifts was linked with what happened in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit fell on them they began to speak in tongues and prophesy not all the time but some of the time that happened or there were healings as well and we thought filling with the Spirit and the, and the use of these gifts are, is connected and so we began to seek to being filled with the Spirit and praise God he met some of us graciously and that was the start of what is often called the charismatic movement. And, and what happened? Well, we started to, to receive these gifts. But one of the things we found, one of the things we found was that our worship on a Sunday morning, which was pretty rigid, hymn, prayer, hymn, prayer, and all of that, our worship on a Sunday morning could not contain the joy and the life that we felt. And horror of horrors, we began to introduce the guitar. Oh. And worse, the drums. But, you know, it was as if people said, if the hymn prayer sandwich was good enough for St Paul, it's good enough for us. Oh, dear me. But you, so our worship began to change. That's hard for many to understand because you've been born into the sort of worship that we have now. But I thank God that in part I've lived through a revolution. And I tell you what, I want it to continue. But we shouldn't be surprised. What does Paul say here? He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another speaking to one another so that's a corporate thing it's all together he shows that one of the immediate outcomes of being filled with the spirit is 
corporate worship. We want to praise God together. And the life of the church has been transformed. Even those that deny the existence of the gifts of the Spirit, their worship's been transformed by what God has done. It's hard to believe these days, but that's what's happened. And it's one of the results. Oh God, help us to not get into a rut. You see what we see here? In, in Ephesians, it's order and freedom together. He says, he says in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, or spiritual songs, depending which translation you've got. Psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. There are some commentators who think that's all saying the same thing. I don't think it is. I think psalms, what they began to do, they began to sing the psalms with new, new feeling and understanding. What was one of the first things that the charismatic movement did? We started to sing the scriptures. I tell you what, there are people alive today who know verses from the Bible, not because they've read it particularly, but because they've sung them. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. I could sing, you shall go out with joy. <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> but that was singing the scriptures. And in a way, I'm sorry we've lost that. But then, you see, Paul says hymns. And so what they began to do, they began to make up their own songs. And we've actually got some of them in the Bible. There's one, a snippet of one, just before these verses. This is what it says. Awake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There are many people who think that's a snippet of, a, of an early hymn. And of course, there's the magnificent hymn in Ephesians 2, sorry, Philippians 2, where Paul says, Have this mind amongst you that was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every, other, every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue that confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are many people, me included, who believe that's an early Christian hymn. Fantastic. And of course, now people make up their own hymns. We've sung them today. We don't call them hymns. We just call them songs. And then there's songs from the Spirit. Spontaneous songs that's the freedom of the spirit song given by the spirit in English and maybe another language to be interpreted but there's order and freedom here for our worship to be anything we need to be filled with the spirit but it must be the response of the heart we're not here because we have to be we're not here because it's it's, it's of what we should do it's here we're here because we want to worship Jesus, because we love him, we adore him, we praise him.
He is everything to us. We want Jesus to be honoured and glorified, magnified amongst us. It's the response of the heart. Yes, we can sing songs. Yes, we can even raise our hands. But it needs to be the response and it is the response of the heart. And it has an overall expression of thanks. We're so grateful for what he's done. We're so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, us, should not perish but have everlasting life. God, God didn't condemn the world through him. Through. He came to save. We're so grateful that Jesus came, that he humbled himself, that he was obedient unto death on the cross, that we're so grateful that God didn't leave him in the grave but raised him from the dead. We're so grateful that Jesus is alive. We're so grateful that we have the Holy Spirit moving amongst us and within us. We're so grateful that we have a hope and a future. We're so grateful that eternity is secure in his hands. There's so much. We're so grateful that he loves us, he cares for us, he looks after us. We're so grateful that even when bad things happen, he's there with us in the darkness. Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We're so grateful that God does that for us. He does. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. That's when we need each other. That's when we need the body life of the church. But we're so grateful. And our worship is, in, is in totally surrounded, infused with thanksgiving. We're so grateful for what God has done. Form, freedom, praise, worship, adoration, blessing, honour. The Spirit moves. That's the result together of being filled with the Spirit. That's what we need to see here. That's what we want. So, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need that. Two things just to say briefly here, very briefly. It's an ongoing experience. Many of you will know that this word actually says go on being, being filled. It's a present experience. Like many here, I can look back and I can say and such and such a time I was first experimentally, experientially filled with the Spirit. I knew that God had filled me with the Spirit. I knew I knew because I spoke in tongues and I knew because I loved Jesus in a much fuller way than ever I did before. I knew. I knew. That may have happened to you in a multitude of ways. I would never want to push my experience on you. But there was a time when I knew it. I knew it. As Gordon Fee says in his book on 1 Corinthians, the early Christians didn't have to be told they were filled with the Spirit. They knew it. They knew it. And I can also testify to you that relying on one initial experience is not good enough. It drains away. We're leaking buckets. You fill us up at the top and it drains away from the bottom. 
So it's an ongoing experience and it's something that each one of us individually has, has to deal with. And I know, I know, even in the position that I am, let alone where we all are as, as, as frail human beings, I know I don't often get filled like that. It's so easy to take God for granted. But we need to be filled. Folks, we do. Whatever the situation, whatever ever happening to us, whatever's happening to us as a church, we need to be filled with the Spirit. That's God's answer. Yes, let's learn techniques of evangelism. Yes, let's pray that God will use the hive. Yes, let's reach out into the community. Yes, let's do social action. Yes, let's have alpha courses. Yes, let's have exploring Christianity. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Great, 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 great stuff. But we need to be filled with the Spirit. All of us. And I'm putting myself with you here. Please don't think I am telling you we are together in this. And feel the need. And it is a corporate thing. Each of us can, in our own way, show Jesus to our neighbours, friends, whatever. But together, together, as the body of Christ, as a one as one outflowing, one visible part of the body of Christ, we can demonstrate Jesus to our community together. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Because what is the Spirit's main work? You know this, you know this. What is the Spirit's main work? It is to honour and glorify Jesus. He will glorify me, said Jesus. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's what the Spirit wants to do, to work in and through us that others come into the kingdom. God, we need him. We need him. We need the fire, the flame of the Spirit. We need the wind blowing where he wants to blow. We need the, the gentle dove that's settled on Jesus. We need that impartation and let me say again I'm with you here in our time of need in our time of question in our times of opportunity which we have in our time of hopes in our times of seeing the promises of God we need to be filled with the spirit And I'd like us to pray somehow for that this morning. And I want to draw a distinction here. If you can get it what I mean. I don't want us to pray that we will be filled with the Spirit. I'd like us to ask God to fill us now. Not to pray that this will come true for us, which I trust it will. I said a bit ago, I want the revolution to continue. Why? Because I believe that's what God wants. And man, we have such challenges out there which we did not have even just a few years ago. And the only answer to that is Jesus. 
And we, we need to be filled now. And not just today, but tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. God do it. And that's what I'd like us to do in these last few minutes. Let's just ask God to fill us. Now, I, I really don't feel I want to dictate to anybody here because we're all different. Some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts. Some of us are demonstrative, others of us are not. Isn't it wonderful that God has put all sorts of types into his family? Isn't it good? We don't always naturally get on, but the miracle is that in, in Christ we do. Isn't that wonderful? We can have left-wingers, right-wingers, up-wingers, down-wingers, I don't know, all sorts. People who are old and people who are young, people who are beautiful and people who... No, I won't say that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't it great? Isn't it great that we're together? So let's ask God to fill us. I, might su I would suggest that a good way is to stand. But let me say this. Posture is important. Body language. I believe sometimes God reads our body language. You know? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with him because he's... But you, you are who you are. So, in a few moments of silence first of all let's ask God to fill us with the spirit if you want to stand stand if you want to kneel kneel if you want to pace around the room pace around the room if you even want to stand on your head whatever but God I mean I, I'm trying to express albeit a little humorously be who you are before God. It may help to hold, hold out your hands. It may help to bow your head. It may help to be on your knees. But let's pray each of us by ourselves words that mean spirit of the living God fall afresh on me mm.